Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Bismillah walhamdulillah wassalatu wassalam ala rasulillah amma ba'd. Welcome to session 7 of the IFG Tafsir or if you're listening on Millionaire Muslim the podcast it's also session 7. Welcome to all of you guys and for those of you who are uh, tuning into this for the first time what we are doing here is that we go through the tafsir of the Quran which is an explanation of the Quran looking at different verses from a thematic perspective and we're looking specifically at uh, business themes finance themes investment themes the kind of things that Islamic finance guru generally um, cover and we're trying to look at the Quran and really reconnect with the Quran but with that kind of theme uh, in light and then the other thing um, that we should mention is that uh, inshallah this session is going to be the, the final session where we are uh, you know, broadcasting uh, publicly uh, on, the, on the live uh, video because we feel that um, we want to help our audience uh, reconnect with the Quran and actually the Quran is something that we should um, you know, commit to uh, properly and in a, in a, um, in a focused manner. And so uh, the, the live sessions, which are in a sense an online halaqa or an online study circle, um, what we've said is that there's a link below um, for people who are interested in attending the live uh, tafsir sessions on YouTube, then uh, please sign up to that link below so that we can uh, email you only um, about these things. Um, and uh, we will keep this uh, window where you can sign up to the live tafsir session, ask us any questions, um, et cetera, et cetera. Um, for uh, until the end of January inshallah so um, you have until then to sign up and then we'll reopen it in April or so um, and it's not like you know we're saying that we're not going to share this tafsir if you know we will eventually share that once the live session is over we'll share it on YouTube generally and we'll also share it on the Millionaire Muslim podcast um, but in terms of the live specifically um, the, the live element um, then that is behind uh, we, we want to create a, an almost a, a dedicated exclusive if you want to call it uh, membership group of people who are really focused uh, on this topic so do sign up on that uh, inshallah so today what we're going to focus on is um, shipping uh, it's the verse about shipping uh, it's not just about shipping but uh, one of the things that it talks about is shipping and the highlights um, from today's uh, podcast or uh, from today's tafsir session is um, threefold firstly um, shipping shipping industry these big tons of steel um, are some things that you can uh, use to get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, the second thing is we're going to talk about can you buy and sell things that you don't actually own, i.e. things that might be sat in the middle of the, uh, the Pacific in a, in a steel container on the back of a, a massive um, uh, container ship. And then the third thing, a third um, highlight, if you want to call it, is how does this impact on uh, Amazon shipping and drop shipping and Alibaba, all these online kind of uh, shipping uh, mechanisms that we have in today's day and age? Uh, and, and what does Islam have to say about that? And we'll touch upon that briefly as well. But firstly, uh, very exciting. This session is not just me. So, you know, for, for the... Um, uh, for the people who are getting bored of my face, uh, and, and I think there are probably quite a few of those, uh, you need be bored no longer because uh, Mohsin Patel, the uh, the eradicator of bid'ah, the uh, the sheikh of Bolton, um, the the master of um, two kids, is also on uh, on the line as well. And I'll switch to him uh, now so you can see him uh, in all his glory. And Mohsin Patel. <laughs> is um, your man, 
he's Mohsen, do you want to explain what you're doing on this uh, the theme session? Yes, Sonicum, everyone. Uh, not quite sure I agree with Ibrahim's intro there, but I appreciate it all the same. Um, so my role on the pod, on the uh, tafsir specifically um, is basically to be the voice of the audience. So you know, if Ibrahim's going off on random tangents that nobody knows what he's talking about, um, getting back onto the Sirat al-Mustaqim, as it were, um, clarify anything that he has said that we don't quite understand uh, as mere mortals, um, and generally just you know uh, be the, be the voice of the audience. And I know that we have uh, a live chat in the uh, YouTube uh, sessions, but more specifically for those people that are listening later who might not get the opportunity to interact live, um, I'm essentially your voice, hopefully. Jazakallah khair, Mohsin. And uh, I'm I'm kind of uh, nervous about the kind of questions that you're going to ask me, so uh, it's going to keep me honest as well. So, and by the way, if you have questions yourself and you're on live now, then please do um, just fire them away. Uh, and if you're not live and you're interested in finding out more, then as always, you know, get in touch with us via via our email on our website, uh, and we'll be um, more than happy to come back to you. So, without further ado, let's crack on and uh, look at this verse. Um, and uh, in Another amazing uh, bound of uh, progression, uh, we've also got a screen share function, which uh, will allow us to uh, show my screen, uh, inshallah, so you can actually read um, the uh, tafsir, that were the, the verses that we're going to be looking at. Uh, so Mohsen, can you see my, my, my uh, screen at the moment? I certainly can, yes. Fantastic. Right, let's uh, let's read it then. A'udhu billahi minash shaytanir rajeem. Bismillahir rahmanir rahim. Inna fi qalqis samawati wal ardi wa akhtilafil layli wal nahari wal fulki allati tajri fil bahri bima yanfa'un nas. وَالْفُلْكِ الَّتِي تَجْرِي فِي الْبَحْرِ بِمَا يَنْفَعُ النَّاسَ وَمَا أَنْزَلَ اللَّهُ مِنَ السَّمَاءِ مِنْ مَاءٍ فَأَحْيَا بِهِ الْأَرْضَ بَعْدَ مَوْتِهَا وَبَثَّ فِيهَا مِنْ كُلِّ دَابَّةٍ وَتَصْرِيفِ الرِّيَاحِ وَالسَّحَابِ الْمُسَخَّرِ بَيْنَ السَّمَاءِ وَالْأَرْضِ لَآيَاتٍ لِقَوْمٍ يَعْقِلُونَ Indeed, in the creations of the heavens and the earth, and the alteration of the night and the day, and the great ships which sail through the sea with that which benefits people, and what Allah has sent down from the heavens of rain, giving life thereby to the earth after its lifelessness, and dispersing therein every kind of moving creature. And his directing of the winds and the clouds controlled between the heavens and the earth are signs for a people who use reason. And so uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he has created this world for us. And he has created it for the sole purpose of us being able to know him, for us to be able to get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and for us to um, to uh, achieve our ultimate um, test, which is to um, submit ourselves and to know our station, which is as um, ibad, as servants of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and to know his station, which is as the creator. And there's a bunch of, ver uh, you know, there's a bunch of ayat, signs or symbols and uh, you know, flags, if you want to call it that, markers that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us. If you think about it, life is like a, a treasure map. 
uh, and there's lots of little keys to the as you know to to understand this treasure map and to work out where the treasure lies and um allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has sent these ayat which are the, the keys that lead us to the treasure and um, there are two kinds of ayat that we get the first kind of ayah that we get is the ayat in the quran um in 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 this right in the nusus of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala um in the scripture of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala those are the the spirit the the uh, the sacred ayat the ayat from the nusus and then you have the ayat such as this this um plant this is also a sign of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because what what is a sign it's a symbol that points to something it's a symbol that makes you understand something about its creator or it gives you a doorway into getting to a greater meaning and the Quran, the, the verses of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala that we are discussing today can do that, but also this plant can do that as well, and also so can um, the shipping industry, and that's what we will be focusing on today. Um, but just to let, let's before we dive really into this verse itself, let's just take a step back and think about you know why why are we doing this stuff in the first place? Why are we? Um, you know, if you've listened this far, you you have kind of committed yourself to listening to stuff about the shipping industry. Um, and it's linked to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you're, you must be thinking, you know, what on earth am I doing with my life? I and mean, what has led me to this, you know, stage that, that I'm at? Uh, and I suppose that the answer is very simple. This is an exercise that firstly Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he tells us to do and he tells us to do it for good reason. And it's an exercise that isn't just applicable to the shipping industry. It's an exercise that is applicable to basically all of creation. I mean, if you look at the verse itself, it talks about the creation of the heavens of the earth and the earth and the alternations of the day and the night and the rain that comes down. And, you know, all of these um, creations of Allah subhanahu wa are mentioned. And in other places, Allah subhanahu wa mentions lots of other creation as well. And so uh, this mechanism of reflection that we are going to engage in right now is something that is applicable for all of creation. And it is this mechanism which acts as a doorway that allows us to access um, what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala really wants us to access in this life. And that is that deeper meaning which leads back to him so that we have his ma'rifah, that we understand him and, uh, and, and, we, uh, and we submit to him and we know our station and we know his station. So that's why we're doing this stuff, right? And uh, and inshallah, let's dive in now into the shipping industry. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, وَالْفُلْكِ الَّتِي تَجْرِي فِي الْبَحْرِ بِمَا يَنْفَعُ النَّاسِ وَمَا أَنْزَلَ اللَّهُ مِنَ السَّمَاءِ مِنْ مَاءٍ فَأَحْيَا بِهِ الْأَرْضَ بَعْدَ مَوْتِهَا And the great ships which sail through the sea with that which benefits people and what Allah has sent down from the heavens of the rain. So this is talking about these great big shipping containers that take us from A to B, uh, and and also importantly, carry things that benefit people. So um, it, it is talking about, in other words, the the modern day shipping industry. And, and incredibly, the shipping industry is such an ancient uh, industry. It's been around for pretty much since the start of um, human civilization. We've had uh, the shipping industry as part of the fabric of, of human civilization. And there are really three things that I want to mention about it, which can help us access um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through that. The first is to realize what a complex system we are dealing with here, with uh, with the shipping world, um, and how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created this for us and has enabled human beings 
to um, give life to this uh, to this system that he has um, that is uh, that has created the shipping industry. And just to give you uh, an example, um, let's think about your iPhone that you have. Uh, that has ended up in your in your pocket once you order it off Amazon, for example, or, or, or the Apple website. But at some point or another, that phone came out of the same mud uh, or the same earth that this plant is in right now because um, it came out of raw uh, materials, metals, um, and other you know, raw uh, things that come, come out of the earth. Those are then uh, transported, shipped, created into an iPhone, and then the shipping industry, trains, lorries, airplanes are used to get, get it to, to us. Uh, and you also in the in the interim have uh, a major logistics operation, and we're not even going to go into the you know the licenses and the uh, back and forth, the regulatory element of the whole thing. So this is a huge and complicated system. And one easy way of understanding how important it is and how complicated it is is to realize that approximately seventy five to ninety percent of all of world trade, so literally everything around us, is um, through the shipping industry is it comes to us through the shipping industry and what that means is the shipping industry if it were to collapse overnight tomorrow we would be in all sorts of problems people would literally die because of um, the shipping industry grinding to a halt it is um, and this leads me on to I suppose my second point it is literally something that sustains us it is literally something that benefits us and sustains us and gives us life. Um, because imagine, you know, hospitals, their supplies, if they ended, I mean, we're talking about Brexit in the UK um, and people are, uh, and hospitals and pharmacies are hoarding up uh, various different uh, 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 drugs because they know that they are so crucial if uh, things get disrupted. And that's an indication of how important um, the shipping industry is to us. Then another very interesting uh, fact that I found um, was that uh, within um, the the oceans that this um, you know the the shipping industry operates, the the playground of the shipping industry operators, uh, the ocean has only been discovered about um, some say five percent, some say even one percent. So the rest of the ocean, which is 70, I think 75% plus of this planet is, is water. And it's water that we've not actually even discovered yet. And it's uh, certainly the subterranean elements of it. We have no idea about the vast majority of what on earth is going on down there. And it is um, it boggles the mind to think of um, how vast the ocean actually is and how Allah SWT has helped us to um, manufacture these steel ships, these huge, many-ton steel ships that can go through this 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 ocean, and we can survive this this journey. And uh, we we heard about the Premier League footballer who, who recently went down in the Channel uh, on a private a private plane, and there is unfortunately, sadly, no trace of him. And and I was thinking that the Channel is possibly the most. Uh, I think it might actually be the most. Um, busy, the, the most well-traversed um, piece of um, ocean or piece of sea that there is in the entire world. And yet that is still not good enough um, for, you know, uh, for, for this person because it is still so vast, it is still so massive that if you disappear in, uh, in the ocean somewhere, then there is very little 
uh, unless you're very lucky um, that someone can do to find you because it is so enormous. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he, uh, he is someone that, um, he is um, our Lord who has created us uh, in such a fashion that we've managed to um, use and harness the power and the might of the oceans to our advantage. And that is really is uh, a remarkable feat. So that's the first thing. We've got this incredibly self-sustaining system. The second thing we mentioned is that this system is literally keeping us alive. And a fascinating, absolutely fascinating um, stat that I discovered was at any one point, we have um, a uh, five to six million shipping containers on enormous cargo ships sailing across the world's oceans. Um, so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, he has enabled us uh, as human beings to really um, scale this operation. Like when, you know, if you think about from the Prophet's time, uh, there were, you know, next to, uh, you know, very, very few human beings on this planet. We have had a huge mushrooming of the human, uh, of the human race over the last um, few centuries. And so the kind of volumes that we are seeing in the shipping industry are just not something that we've seen before. And because of that, a really fascinating stat I found was, you know, those massive shipping containers, 10,000 of them are dropped. They are accidentally go off the side of a ship when the ship tilts or whatever. And 10,000 of them are lost at sea every single year. Um, and they're sat down in the deep depths of the ocean somewhere all over the world. Um, and, uh, and we don't really know much about them um, other than, you know, they've, they've been lost. That's a, that's a crazy stat, isn't it? Now, we've got these five, six million shipping containers in transit at any one point, And 10,000 shipping containers are littered. Literally, they're like rubbish that have been uh, ended up in the, on the bottom of the, of the ocean. And because the ocean is so massive, it literally doesn't make, make a difference. Um, but that's what we are dealing with. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and I think that the final um, point to make about uh, the shipping industry generally is that um, when, you know, I was listening to this story on BBC recently about how there was this family who um, they really like, uh, they really like the oceans and um, sailing. So they bought this big schooner and they went off as a family sailing around the world. Unfortunately, uh, the oceans are a very unpredictable and, as I said, dangerous beast. And so they ran into really bad weather and their their schooner was very, very badly damaged. And they had to abandon the ship and get onto this small life raft of about 10, uh, six, six feet or 10 feet. This entire family, you can imagine now, are in the middle of the Pacific somewhere on this life raft. And they survived on uh, these turtles of all things. They used to hunt the turtles and uh, cook them and they used to make soup out of them. They used to drink their blood and just survive off the ocean. Uh, and again, that's by the way, that's another sign of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the benefit we get from the ocean itself. But it took them 40, 50 days before they actually got um, uh, discovered by uh, a Japanese, I think it was ship that was passing by or a ship that was passing by. So even in our day and age, where we've got these shipping lanes in, in, in the oceans where there's so much traffic that goes up and down. You can, be dis you can be lost at sea and you can be lost for days and days and days and no one will come across you. It is a vast and inhospitable world out there. Um, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has, has helped us um, by, by harnessing its um, power. Ibrahim, yeah. I was just um, looking at the verse again and just to expand on your point about the 
true awesomeness of the shipping industry at large. Um, it's striking that, um, and do correct me if I'm wrong, um, but as I read it, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is putting the shipping industry generally alongside other ayat, such as him creating the heavens and the earth, him alternating the night and the day, him sending down rain from the heavens and giving life thereby and dispersing therein every kind of moving creature and directing the winds and the clouds. All of those things that I've just mentioned are truly, truly, you know, objectively remarkable things. Um, and to drop ships in the middle of that is quite interesting because instinctively it doesn't seem to us as being um you know something that crazy until as you've explained you actually understand the awesomeness of it and i suppose in in many ways it's um it, it's a message to us to do this sort of pondering and reflecting yeah i agreed completely for that um and one part huge they're multi-ton ships and it doesn't you can't go and buy a ship from your local um you know uh from going on auto trader website and order a ship it literally needs to be constructed in a shipping yard it takes about three four years sometimes to actually construct a ship these are huge things um and they're very very heavy uh and yeah allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, has this universe in such a way that we can um, use these incredibly heavy things uh, on on the oceans um, and uh, and still float. So right, so we've heard all of this stuff about ships and the shipping industry and how great it is. Um, how are we supposed to respond to that? So Allah Subhanahu wa Taala He says, uh, and let me uh, share the verse with you as well, so you guys uh, can see it as well. Uh, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala He says in Surah um, Anfal uh, on the, in the second verse. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم إنما المؤمنون الذين إذا ذكر الله وجلت قلوبهم وإذا تليت عليهم آياته زادتهم إيمانا وعلى ربهم يتوكلون The believers are only those So it's only those The believers are only those And so not like you know, if, you're not a if you're not a believer you won't respond like this uh, and if you are a believer, you will respond like this. Who, when Allah is mentioned, their hearts become fearful. And when his verses are recited to them, And when his verses are recited to them, when the eyes of Allah SWT are presented to them, it increases them in faith. And upon their Lord do they rely. So Allah SWT, He is saying that when you see a verse of mine, when you hear a verse of mine, then it should be doing uh, two things. It should be increasing you in your Iman and it should be making you realize that you have to rely upon your Lord. And, uh, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says in another verse, uh, in a very similar formulation um, of, of the Arabic, it says, inna fi samawati wal ardi are signs for those who have lub, the signs of those who have an intellect. A deep intellect and again in this verse that we're currently discussing it says our signs for people who think for people who reason uh, and, and Allah he goes on in the other words um, 
These people reflect upon the signs of Allah uh, standing and sitting and even when they're lying down. Um, and they ask and they say, Oh Allah, you can't have created this stuff because of um, you know, because of fun out, out of frivolity. You've clearly done this for a reason, right? Um, and uh, subhanak, glory be to you, you know, sacrosanct are you, and their response to this is save us from the the punishment of the fire that's their response so our our initial um reaction to the verses should be of iman increasing ourselves in iman which should be uh, increases increasing ourselves in the fear and the khushur um, the remembrance and the taqwa of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and then ultimately once we reflect upon it and this is again a commandment from allah subhanahu wa ta'ala it's saying that the real true believers are those who really reflect on these things. And by the way, there's a point about careers to be made here as well. Um, these are people who really reflect on these things. And uh, and they, because of this reflection, are then who uh, people who ask for um, the, the fire of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the punishment to be averted from them. Uh, and, and, and the point about careers is this. You know, you can have a career where you um, are helping people and, and that is clearly something that, there is a benefit to, but there is also a benefit where you are working as a physicist or you are working as a um, academic studying the the patterns of uh, you know the shipping industry, for example. That when you have done it with the right right intention uh, is actually an ibadah of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. What you are doing is you are allowing people to access the uh, a really detailed and uh, Com a really detailed and comprehensive uh, understanding of how this ayah, this this sign, this symbol of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala's majesty and uh, and might uh, actually works. So if you know, if you were a physicist and you are understanding how the universe works, that in itself could actually be a form of ibadah for you. But the key thing is that it has to be um, with the right intention. So uh, there is actually some uh, hope. Uh, I know I know Mosa and I we we do beat up a lot on uh, scientists, but actually uh, you know scientists sometimes have something going for them as well, which is that they can help us really understand the majesty and the glory of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. Uh, and and frankly, um, if we if we understood the the real purpose of life, the real meaning of life, then that is actually what we would want to do. I think Hassan al-Basri, he was asked, would you, um, would you go, if you were standing in front of Jannah and you were given the choice of going into Jannah or um, you were given the choice of doing two raka'ah uh, and worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what would you go for? Obviously, us, us guys, if someone was saying to us, there's an open door, you know, go for Jannah or pray two raka'ah, we struggle to pray, you know, two raka'ah the best of times. But here you're saying you have the choice between praying to Raka'ah or going to Jannah. Um, we will be through the door. Um, because I'm telling the story, you've already guessed what he went for. Uh, he went for the two Raka'ah and then people asked him, why did you do that? And he said, the reason why I did that was because um, in Jannah lies the pleasure uh, of my nafs. In, in Jannah is, lies my pleasure and in the two Raka'ah lies the pleasure of the Almighty and and that's what I went for so actually um, we, we do a lot of 
quite sophisticated talking and thinking about things. Um, certainly, Islamic finance guru, uh, in, in lots of Islamic discussions, we, we have a fairly sophisticated discussion about things. But actually, when it boils down to it, um, it could be that you know just reflecting upon the majesty of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gets you much further down the line than than you would um, than you would otherwise, even if you were a very well educated and sophisticated um, you know uh, Muslim. So that's um, I think the verse itself. Uh, so we want to ultimately just summarizing. Then we've looked at the shipping industry, how uh, amazing it is, how crucial it is uh, to keep us alive, how Allah subhanahu wa taala has helped us conquer this potential killer. Uh, what our response to it should be, which is that we should feel awe. And um, how do we access this now? This is the crucial thing. How do we actually get there? Because um, unless you're sat at the other end of this screen or the other end of the podcast, um, or, uh, normally people listen to us in transit. So if you're sat in the underground about two weeks from now listening to this podcast and because of what you've heard, you just sat there bawling your eyes out, um, that's fantastic. I mean, you've, you've actually done something which uh, you know has, has moved you to that level. You have a level of spirituality um, which should be commended. But if you're not there, like you know, us guys, all of us really, we can be better in our spirituality. How can we get our spirituality up? So the way, uh, and mostly it'd be interesting to hear your thoughts on this, but I had a couple of thoughts. One is obviously, as I said, increase your research and your reflection on the, the ayat, the signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, both from the Quran, but also from, uh, from the creation. And then the other one is um, have, having khushur and really thinking about what you're reading in salah uh, will bring you closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But Mohsen, do you have any other thoughts? Yeah, I, I was just thinking about this actually um, and thinking about uh, how we might take benefit from this. And one of the ways that I personally um, take benefit from stuff is to actually explain stuff to other people. Um, so it might be as simple as having a chat with my wife tonight and talking about the shipping industry, which at which point I think she'll probably roll her eyes um, until I actually explain how it all relates to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala um, and how actually you can reflect in in a group um, on the might of Allah. And and by doing that, you're actually doing exactly what the point of this tafsir is, which is um, to increase your your spirituality. That's personally how I find um, is, is, a, is a good way to increase uh, my benefit from something. And everyone will be, will be different. Um, but that would be my suggestion, which is actually just to share what you've learned or maybe read up some more on it, read up some more on shipping. Um, and then when you've done that, share with somebody what you've learned and how that relates back to this verse that we're discussing. JazakAllah khair. Um, that's, uh, I, I agree completely. I think teaching uh, definitely focuses the mind. I mean, I wouldn't be reflecting on shipping if I didn't have to do this, right? So um, completely agreed on that point. Um, let's move on um, and actually talk about uh, two tangential subjects, not necessarily related to the verse itself, but they are related to shipping. So we thought, hey ho, why not deal with it now? Um, and that's, can you sell something um, that you don't currently own? And um, I, I think the most Muslims know that uh, you're not supposed to be, you're not supposed to sell things that you don't currently own or that you haven't taken delivery of. Uh, because in the various different basic thick classes, uh, they do cover this topic um, to some extent. Um, 
the, I suppose the the reasons behind it, the principles behind it, are a lot. Uh, the, there's a hadith where uh, the Prophet says, "La ma laysa indak." Don't um, sell that you do not have. Um, and the thinking behind um, this hadith, as the scholars have derived, is um, is twofold, and that is that Islam wants from our uh, relationships with uh, with other people, our contractual relationships, that is, uh, Islam wants two things. One is certainty, um, and it doesn't want dispute. So it wants a, a very, very clear contract that doesn't then lead onto uh, confusion about what it means, and then people have a fight about, oh, this means this, this means this, and, and you end up in, in problems. So that's the first thing. And then the second thing is that uh, Islam wants us to have certainty and for markets uh, to work well and for people to have clearly defined legal rights and for them to have protections. And uh, and by selling things that they don't necessarily have, um, there are there is uh, there is a lot of inefficiency and a lot of uh, potential you know bad transactions that en enter into the market. Yeah. Um, the overview of why you shouldn't sell something that you don't currently own. Um, Mostly just feel free to chip in whenever. But one thing I wanted to just mention is that there are exceptions to this rule. Uh, so there's uh, two exceptions, generally speaking, in the uh, Islamic corpus, the uh, Islamic law corpus, and that's salam contracts and uh, istisna contracts. So salam contracts are um, contracts that arose out of Prophet's conversations with the farmers when he came to Medina from Makkah. And the farmers in Medina they would um, use salam contracts where they would actually sell the the um, produce like the dates for example um, many months sometimes even years in advance uh, so let's say uh, you have farmer um, abdul abdullah who is going to uh, grow 10 tons of dates uh, next year and he comes to you and he says i'm going to sell you these 10 tons of dates for a thousand pounds right now and so you would pay him that thousand pounds right now, and uh, and then you would take delivery of those dates in in a year's time. And Prophet he allowed that um, because of um, because when he first arrived, Prophet he actually forbade this. But then people were like you know this is not really working for us. We really need this. So Prophet made the leniency, and that was because it was a custom of the people, and it was something that made uh, trade efficient and effective. Uh, and and it and it worked for these guys and and, and actually a lot of people in the uh, manufacturing or production space um, they need money up front to be actually able to buy the raw goods like the, you know the, for the date uh, grower he, he would need to buy um, the date palm uh, I don't know what you call them seeds or is a word actually grow the things um, and so uh, th this was Ruxa was given. So we can we can use that same principle and apply it in interesting ways um, in in today's day and age, but obviously with a great deal of care because it is certainly the exception uh, to the rule and and the the standard was there for a reason. Then the other one is istisna contracts, and these are contracts where you are buying to order. Where, for example, you want to build a house uh, and uh, you or you get a, a builder. Um, draft up a contract with him and you say I'm going to pay you 20,000 or 50,000 to build the first phase of my house and the builder goes away and he starts doing that uh, and he might even use the money that you've given him uh, in order to start doing that 
Um, and of course, that makes sense, perfect sense, because a builder, uh, he doesn't necessarily have the liquidity uh, to survive that long um, without the money. And he may need the money to actually do the do the job. So Istisna'at contracts are also, um, they are a, a different um, exception that is also uh, um, used in um, Islamic finance to uh, make certain things work. Um, I don't know, Mohsin, do you have any thoughts on this? Any questions, any um, observations? To share, um, I think I'll let you carry on before asking any questions because I don't want to. Yep. Um, so I think the uh, the interesting uh, thing that uh, comes out of this is, uh, let's say you've got a um, a shipping um, a, a delivery that is being shipped across from China to your um, your depot in London. And you're, uh, you've got a website and you're selling away on this website and you're, uh, you're expecting that delivery within the next day or so. And um, you're selling these goods. You've, put the, uh, you've got an online website and you've put them back in stock and you're selling away. The question is, is that allowed? I mean, can you, is that you falling foul of the la tabi'a rule? Are you selling that which you do not own? Or indak literally means that which is with you. So you might not have taken delivery of it. And um, the, the the approach to take here is to think about the risk um, element of it. Um, so one solution to this problem is thinking about who has the the risk if something goes wrong with that shipping container. Um, so do you actually own the goods at the point that they leave the shipping depot in China, or do you actually only own the goods? By the time that they arrive and this is something that is generally clear in the contract um, but another way that you can um, get at understanding who where the responsibility lies is these days you know who's pay paying the insurance for um for the for the risk that something goes wrong uh, and the shipping container becomes one of ten thousand shipping containers that ends up in the bottom of the ocean um, and whoever takes that risk then it is them who have the constructive possession, if you want to call it that, where you don't actually have possession, but you you have uh, the you know the legal title, or you have the responsibility um, to look after that that item, and um, and so you look at that. And I think, generally speaking, in in the case of uh, people who are shipping goods across from uh, from China, um, the and correct me if I'm wrong, Mawson, because this is not really a, a thick point. This is more of a practical point. Um, but the goods are actually owned um, by you um, when when uh, when it's in transit uh, and and it arrives um, in London. Uh, so that's that that's an interesting uh, you know kind of application that I thought would be um, relevant for people. Um, another uh, potentially uh, interesting um, application um, could be where you are using uh, so actually let's take a step back so that's one approach you can take here is by saying you know where does the um, risk lie the other potential solution here if that isn't a clear cut answer is by looking at the the degree of um, uncertainty that there exists in selling that which you don't have so for example um, if uh, you're Go if you go on Gumtree and you uh, see that someone wants to buy a phone for um, two hundred pounds. It's a 
you know android phone for 200 pounds and you go on the the selling section of gumtree and you see someone is selling that exact phone for 80 pounds and you charge and you go to the person who wants it for 200 pounds and you say you know mate i've got it for you um, i'll sell it to you for 200 pounds and this, the guy says fine the deal is done and then you go and you buy the phone for 80 pounds and then you sell it on to him now that in my mind would not be permissible because um there you don't actually have any possession you don't have legal possession of that good um, and you uh, certainly don't have any constructive possession of it either and there is a great deal of risk that you may not be able to get that phone for 80 quid you may not be able to get that phone full stop it's not uh, you know that easily something that you can get hold of and so and, and you're selling something that you have no clear way of actually delivering um, on, on your um, contract which is to sell this guy the, the phone um, so that's another um, another approach that you can take which is by looking at how um, how much risk there is of things going wrong and being able to make good that contract so for example with a shipping guy um, who's got this online website he probably has a line of shipping containers that are coming along uh, with the same goods so let's say you know one shipping container goes overboard uh, and he loses it in a few days time you'll have another shipping container coming in with the same goods so there'll be a bit of a lag for his customers and he can commu communicate that to them but it's not that uncertain a thing that he is selling there because he's just got a line of um, produce that's coming to him uh, and, and he can sell those on um, and uh, and I think another interesting uh, little uh, tangent here is uh, drop shipping so drop shipping is, has become a big thing these days uh, and uh, drop shipping for those who don't know what it is is where you uh, a manufacturer actually doesn't have any goods on his books or very few books or goods on his books uh, in stock he will get an order and then he will actually uh, tell the manufacturers of, the, of that good to produce the good and then sell it on or uh, deliver it on or he will uh, he will get the order and he will buy the good from wherever wholesaler he buys it from and then he will deliver it onwards uh, and this has become really uh, prevalent in in our day and age and and there are uh, there's a very interesting article uh, on this that perhaps I'll uh, you know I'll try and dig out and and share with you at some point um, uh, you know for those of you who sign up onto that YouTube uh, email list maybe we can share that with you um, written by actually a, a friend of mine who was in the same Alamia class with me uh, with Sheikh Akram that he's written on Ilmfeed about uh, dropshipping um, and uh, his view is that it is ultimately permissible because it's so prevalent and because you've got a lot of consumer protection out there these days that make it quite certain uh, and ultimately you will be able to get your your uh, good at the end of the day now um, I, I think I broadly agree with him on, on that analysis but the, an interesting uh, I think uh, addition to that analysis is where you are drop shipping something that isn't very certain uh, at all um, to be able to be produced uh, or you're drop shipping something that's very bespoke um, so if you're drop shipping um, I don't know uh, Kellogg's crunchy nut cornflakes then you know if you if your um, manufacturer that you or your uh, uh, supplier has uh, fallen through and you can't get hold of that uh, that shipment from him you'll certainly be able to go down to Tesco and make good whatever uh, crunchy nut cornflakes you sold because it's quite easy to get hold of um, but if you're selling something that's very bespoke and um, 
you're using the dropshipping analysis, then I'm not saying it's haram, but I am saying that you should do a very, very careful uh, analysis of, um, you know, if if it is actually something that is um, that is fair and and it doesn't put um, too much risk upon um, upon the seller. Um, any questions at this point, um, Mohsin? No, I think you've um, I think you've covered everything that I I would have asked to be honest. Excellent. Um, so let's uh, touch upon a final thing before we wrap up for today, and that's um, you know how does this impact on Amazon shipping and um, online buying and selling, and uh, you know th there's a hadith about how uh, you shouldn't. Um, uh, so the buyer and the seller have the khiyar of an option to accept or reject the good whilst they are in um, a majlis, uh, whilst they're in a, a gathering or whilst they're you know in, in one place in a meeting with each other, uh, like at a uh, stall in a market, for example. And how does all of that analysis fit onto you using Amazon Prime and getting you know delivery the next day or the few a few days later, or using any online platform to buy things. How does that analysis fit onto there? And and I think the analysis. Uh, so that the there are various different approaches in the in this uh, various different schools of fit. Um, but some people say that khiyar al majlis is is the key point where if you're going to reject the good. You can only really do it while you're actually in that majlis. You are actually in that gathering. Now, in the uh, other scholars say that actually um, you have khiyar al qabul, which is that you can reject um, the good um, at the point where you actually um, receive it. Um, and so it's not just the offer. Uh, you actually make good the acceptance of the offer. So someone is, let's say someone is selling you, I don't know, a rhino, for example, in Africa. Actually, I think that might be illegal, but let, let's run with it. Um, so someone's selling you a rhino in Africa and you uh, have no idea about this rhino and you're thinking you're buying uh, a full on, you know, uh, black rhino, very rare. You paid um, about five, I don't know, 500,000 pounds for it. And when you take delivery of it, you discover that it's just one of those inflatable rhinos. Um, and it's worth about a tenner on eBay, and you're very upset with this. But the guy says, "Oh, um, you know, we had we had a conversation on the phone, and uh, that was our khiyar al majlis. Uh, he's quite a sophisticated, um, uh, you know, Muslim uh, faqih as well. This guy, uh, and so therefore you're um, you're not going to be able to get a refund on this. Now, what you could go back at him and say is that, well, actually, I'm from the Hanafi or the Maliki school of thought where." Um, some of them inclined towards the khiyar al-qubul, uh, al where I, I actually have a right to um, reject this contract or pull out of this contract when I actually take delivery of the good. And I think, um, cutting a long story short, in, in the modern day and age where we are doing online uh, uh, delivery, online sales, and then taking a delivery in person later on, it very much makes sense to have um, the uh, the latter approach. So the you know being able to reject it when we actually receive it, and um, and actually uh, the overlay of the law. Uh, so the law here states that you've got I think it's 14 days um, that you can uh, a cooling off period where you if you sold anything online you can uh, re return that or back out of it within 14 days. Um, and uh, and so the law will obviously um, you know, aside from uh, Islamic law, uh, the law of the land obviously takes um, takes a lot of uh, precedence here. So we certainly have that um, have that uh, 
that ability within the law. But even in Islamic law, uh, the, the, what I'm saying is that it makes sense for, for one to be able to reject or accept the good when we actually take, um, you know, physical delivery um, of that um, of that asset. Um, and I think that's probably it um, for now. Um, the, the I suppose the the one final thing that I, I would like to say before we we depart is going back to the um, the shipping point um, is what we should do to make this productive and constructive for all of us is to lock in um, one time during the day when you're going to spend some time uh, really reflecting upon uh, the ayat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That could be the Quran or it could be uh, some kind of uh, even uh, scientific or physical creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or even a manifestation of that through uh, the ingenuity of the human being uh, of human beings. Uh, for example, in the shipping industry. And uh, for me, it can be, I'm going to make it just before I go to sleep. I want to think about this and really reflect upon the majesty and the glory of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and, uh, and try and, uh, in, in, in any way that I can, uh, thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for, for that ability. So we should do that. And then very finally, before we wrap up, uh, and we see if there's any questions on the live chat. Um, if this has been beneficial to you, then please do uh, leave a review on uh, on iTunes uh, because that really helps us out and it helps get this message out to further people um, that inshallah will be able to benefit from this. But also please do subscribe to both our podcast, our YouTube channel, uh, and, and on, on, our, on our website as well. Uh, so you can keep it up to date with all the latest on, uh, on IFG and uh, Millionaire Muslim. Uh, as well. Uh, but Jazakallah khairan. And uh, if there are any questions, then um, we'll be checking the, the live chat just now um, as well. So please do let us know. And I'll try and pull up this uh, Ilm Feed article uh, so that I can share it with you guys straight away. Got it? Let me share that with you guys. Uh, so let's call it a day. Jazakallah uh, khairan once again for everyone and uh, have a lovely evening. Assalamu alaikum. ورحمة الله وبركاته